Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello, everyone. It's not Matt Davis-Adams. It's Liam Toomey here. Don't worry. Standards on the podcast haven't permanently dropped. You'll be back in Matt's capable hands in just a couple of minutes. I've hopped back on because not long after we stopped recording today's episode, Chelsea officially announced the news that everyone was expecting sooner rather than later and the season's over. Mauricio Pochettino is the club's new head coach from next season. I'll just run you through the main points of the statement that went up on the club's official website. He signed a two-year contract that will begin on July 1st, 2023, with a club option to extend for a further year. There are quotes from Chelsea's co-sporting directors, Lawrence Stewart and Paul Winstanley. Mauricio's experience, standards of excellence, leadership qualities and character will serve Chelsea Football Club well as we move forward. He is a winning coach who has worked at the highest levels in multiple leagues and languages. His ethos, tactical approach and commitment to development all made him the exceptional candidate. Chelsea insisting here that, that Pochettino was always the outstanding choice for the job, despite the, the briefings we've heard to the contrary from, from some other candidates who, who didn't end up getting this role. And then we have quotes from all of the owners, which is interesting, not just Todd Bowley and Badade Bali, but... Jose Feliciano, Mark Walter and Hans-Jörg Weiss. The sporting team conducted a diligent, thoughtful process that the board is proud of. We are delighted that Mauricio will be joining Chelsea. Mauricio is a world-class coach with an outstanding track record. We are looking forward to having him on board. So the board insisting that Stuart and Wynn Stanley have led this process as they were insisting from the start. And the, the message is now very much that Pochettino will be working closely with Stuart and Win Stanley in the weeks and months ahead. Now, the two most interesting things for me about this statement, one, no quotes from Pochettino, which I've seen enough Chelsea hiring statements to find that unusual. I mean, I'm sure we'll hear plenty from him in time, but I just thought that that felt a little bit off. The other thing is that he will only formally start work on July 1st, but you would imagine, and I, I expect to get some sort of confirmation on this soon, that he will be actively involved in the conversations that take place in June, both with, with Stuart and Win Stanley and with the many Chelsea players who need clarification on their futures. Because if he really does wait till July 1st to start work, Chelsea are in trouble. They will need his guidance and I'm sure they will get it over the next four weeks. Just a final thing, confirmation that Pochettino's longtime backroom team, uh, Jesus Perez, Tony Jimenez and Miguel D'Agostino are coming with him to Stamford Bridge, along with his son, Seba Pochettino. So that that's pretty much all as we expected it to be. Now, I'm sure we'll get more clarification on some of the points in this statement in the, in the coming days. And if you want to stay up to date with all the developments of the Pochettino era, 
then stay tuned to The Athletic. But for now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. What constitutes a successful season this time around for Chelsea? Is it Champions League or bust? Can they challenge Manchester City and Liverpool or are they just trying to do well in the Cups and and finish in the top four? Going into the unknown, I think it is very unlikely there's going to be a title challenge, in my opinion. Chelsea fans would snap your hand off for the third position and, and another visit to a cup final, absolutely. Glory be, the curse of Goodison Park is over as Chelsea pick up three points on opening day. Ugly, a grind, pretty horrible to watch. Both teams could have played for, for weeks and, and neither would have scored from open play. L and high water is Blues lose at Leeds. Right then, let's start with the positives from a Chelsea perspective. Now that's out of the way, what an absolute horror show. They need improvement in all areas. Suffering in Southampton. Too cool, you have to say, pressure's on him a little bit. Another troubling performance away from home. I found that really alarming. This is just a continuation of performance and results from the back end of last season, which which finished badly. Thomas Tuchel is sacked as manager just seven games into the new season. Surprised and not surprised. There was an inevitability that we'd reached this point. The surprise is that we've reached it after six games. I don't think in heart of hearts he's that disappointed because Chelsea's not the club now that it was. With the greatest respect, they're learning on the hoof. They don't know how football works. Graham Potter is clearly the favourite. This appointment only works if Graham Potter is given assurances that the ownership will be will be patient. He's going to be enormous when results start going wrong. That's when these owners are going to have to be bold and stick by this plan. Seagull's revenge as Potter suffers humbling return to Brighton. The honeymoon period is over. It's official. To be honest, this has been coming. There have been elements of this performance in all of the previous performances and I don't understand why those solutions haven't been been found yet. So Chelsea thump 4 0 by Man City. They exit both domestic cups at the first stage they enter for the first time since the late 80s. It's another utterly miserable day. Hold on, listener. Let's get through this pain together. They just didn't lay a glove, did they? I can completely understand how fans are feeling because a lot of them didn't sign up for any of this. I think it's a time when reputation goes out the window and the supporters want to see fight. Oh, William. Oh, Joao. Oh, Graham. Oh, God. It is just a mess. Chelsea nil, bottom of the table without a manager, Southampton won. New low in this season, which is suddenly making 2015-16 look like good fun. Another defeat, probably the worst, and that's saying something of the Graham Potter era. Two wins out of 14 is relegation form. Oh, dear, dear. (laughs) Just when you think it can't get any worse. Well, you know things are bad when Chelsea lose to Tottenham, right? Why are people that Chelsea were willing to ship out on deadline day suddenly in the team and starting games? What a bonkers football club. A new realm of misery for Chelsea fans. A 10th defeat of the league season. It sends them into the bottom half of the table on April 1st. And no, it isn't a joke. On Sunday night, Chelsea parted company with Graham Potter. It was a sorry way for him to end, unfortunately. Nice guy, but but just not good enough. Lampard in for a bit. It all looks quite bleak. Lampard's not a miracle worker. A really miserable season compounded by Champions League exit. And like that, Chelsea's season is over. Anyone 
anyone with a brain would not touch this with a barge pole. Chelsea were absolutely abject here. They are at rock bottom. The amount of change around the club has destroyed any semblance of a dressing room. Chelsea didn't have any creativity at all. It's very conceivable they don't win again between now and May. I think Chelsea fans rightfully should be concerned if they'll get another point. A season that has plum new depths, really. I think the dummies at, at Arsenal's training ground would have given them more of a challenge. That's six defeats now in six games under Frank Lampard. Sources speaking anonymously to protect relationships tell me Maurizio Pochettino might well be the next Chelsea manager. Chelsea get battered everywhere they go. The end of season DVD is not going to be very expensive this season. Another quiet week in the life of Chelsea Football Club then. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from the Athletic. On this episode, it's over. This rotten season is finally over. It's not all bad, though. We'll salute the WSL winning women's team. Look back on our pre-season predictions and more. For the final time this season, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Well, it's done. Uh, this wretched season for the men's team is finally over, so we'll never speak of it again after this podcast. Uh, please welcome my guests at this time. You won't be surprised to learn they're both of The Athletic. Hello, Liam Toomey. Hello. I just want to clarify, the only reason I'm here is because Simon got his holiday request in first. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. That little bit of experience, you see, just uh, just showing showing his quality in that regard. Dominic Fifield's also had to interrupt his bank holiday Monday to join us. How are you doing, Dom? <laughs> yeah, had to interrupt my working day to join you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, very nice to be here. Hello, Matt. Hello, Liam. Hello, Lucy. How are you doing? Yeah, world's smallest violin listener, but bank holidays and working in football don't really go hand. Exactly. Um, okay, we're going to get to the champs later, but first, the chumps. Enzo Fernandez, the World Cup winner with Argentina to take. And this could catch Newcastle napping. It's an own goal. Raheem Sterling playing the ball into the middle. There was nobody in a Chelsea shirt on the end of it, but there was in the black and white of Newcastle. Last few seconds of the season for both Chelsea and Newcastle United. A season to forget for Chelsea, a season to treasure and remember for Newcastle. Chelsea fans understand the tough position we were in as a club when I came in. So although we haven't got the results we won, I think in terms of this season, it is what it is. So Chelsea finished the season with a one-all draw at home to Newcastle. Anthony Gordon found the Chelsea defence AWOL to put the away side ahead, but Kieran Trippier kindly put through his own net to mean it finished all square. Here's what Liam thought as the whistle peaked for the final time. Blue is the colour has just finished here at Stamford Bridge, as has Chelsea's season. Now we're waiting for the lap of appreciation to take place, but... The Newcastle fans aren't done showing their own appreciation to their players right now. They're the ones making themselves heard the way to my left. Sounds like the PA system is trying to drown them out. It isn't really working. So Chelsea are just getting on with it. Walking towards the shed end, led by Frank Lampard, Cesar Pelaqueta, Mark Cucurea and Angolo Kante. Just acknowledging the fans. There was a lovely display to Aspilicueta set up by We Are the Shed ahead of kickoff. There was a giant banner commemorating Lampard, 
in the Matthew Harding stand. It felt like today was about goodbyes. The thing is, we don't know how many. <laughs> it could be quite a few of the players who appeared today who won't be here in a Chelsea shirt again. The only one who has so far really given the impression that he believes that's the case is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who seemed to make a real point of acknowledging all four sides of Stamford Bridge as he got a standing ovation when he was substituted in the second half. Uh, I haven't talked about the game yet because it doesn't really feel like the game mattered. Had a very final day feel, not much defending going on beyond sort of last ditch scrambling blocks. 1-1, it could have been 4-4. Newcastle started the better, Chelsea finished the better. But it didn't seem as if anyone was particularly bothered about how it ended up in truth. And now I'm just watching the Chelsea players go in front of the West Stand opposite me. Uh, most of the fans, to be fair, have stuck around from both sides, which might come as a surprise to some on the Chelsea side of things, just given how miserable this season has been. But I think the fans want to say goodbye to a couple of the players that they maybe think aren't going to be here next year. Maybe try and convince Mason Mount, who is in that group currently touring the edge of the pitch to stay and sign a new contract. The Newcastle fans appear to think their team have just scored a goal away to my left. As it is, their players are just leaving, but of course they've had a spectacular season. Completely fair for them to be getting that kind of reception as they go off. I think a few of the players have thrown their shirts into the crowd and that's what's helped spark this. It's a bit more subdued on the Chelsea side of things. Lots of clapping. I can't really hear what the Chelsea fans are chanting. And that seems like an appropriate way to end this voice note. Chelsea being upstaged as they have been regularly this season. And when it comes to the season as a whole, it's goodbye and good riddance. I mean, Liam, you and I were both there. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything I can ask you about the match that anybody would be particularly interested in. I thought the stat of Chelsea having 22 shots, five on target, and none of them resulting in goals was quite a nice way to sum up the season. Yeah, and, and Newcastle were in charitable final day mood to the to the extent that Kieran Trippier actually was happy to divert Raheem Sterling's wayward shot, which was definitely not going in into his own net. So, yeah... It, it just it just felt like a kind of let's get this over with game to be honest there were there was some all-star game defending i know i said final day defending i'll say all-star game defending for for the sake of todd bowley that's one for you because the players were just kind of going through the motions for the most part and i went into the game having discussed with dom potential ideas of things to write about and they were all based around post match really <laughs> uh, the lap of appreciation which in itself was upstaged by Newcastle fans going mad and chanting Champions League at their own players. So we didn't even get to hear whether Stamford Bridge was chanting Mason Mount, we want you to stay, or any of these other things. The game itself felt like a footnote and it played out like a footnote and it was just about the potential goodbyes, the definite goodbyes. And a lot of fans, to be fair, most fans in Stamford Bridge stuck around to applaud the players, whether they felt like they deserved to be applauded or not. I think they they just wanted to kind of 
I think it was a cathartic moment at the end of a, a horrible, horrible season. Yeah, just to kind of say this is definitely done now. Um, Dom, you were busy in the athletic office, so you wouldn't have seen the awards being handed out pre-match. Thiago Silva got player of the year. Lewis Hall got young player of the year, which is a bit of a bit of a cheat for me because he's a first team player, really. And you'll have been delighted to learn that the goal of the season was won by Conor Gallagher for his terrific 90th minute winner uh, down there at Selhurst Park. Um, we talk a lot about Gallagher, Dom on this podcast he started again do you still see him as being one of the prime players likely to leave I ask that because I know that he's homegrown and that means pure profit etc and so on but he's basically featured in every game in the Premier League for Chelsea I think only Havertz and Kepper have made more appearances for him and he strikes me as quite a Maurizio Pochettino type player so surely he's worth keeping around well yeah he is I mean he is no I don't think Chelsea Chelsea's hierarchy as it is. I don't think Mauricio Pochettino coming in is going to w- want to lose players of his calibre, current international, uh, player that offers something a bit different in his sort of high-energy um, midfield input. But but the reality of Chelsea's situation is they have to lose some players and it really depends where the, the offers come in. I mean, who 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 who's likely to come in for whom? I mean, if they can pick and choose and decide that they don't need to to sell Conor Gallagher and I'm sure he'll have a role to play under the under the new regime but if uh, you know if, if, a, if a, an offer comes in that's tempting then they simply have to be brutal they have to make difficult decisions this summer because they can't go into next year with a squad of 65 players I mean it just simply can't happen or you know, it's not 65 but you know what I mean it feels like that it's, it's ridiculous so finding some way of of bringing money in of slimming the squad down I think you just have to go with the offers that come in I mean it's not going to be a, an easy process and Conor Gallagher has has done well in in fits and starts this season it, it was a a very very good goal at Sellers Park and, and I, I was there sitting next to Simon as it went in you know and if you do score a 90th minute goal against a team that finishes above you on the table then you have to be quite happy yeah, you would have thought so. It'd be interesting to see whether he digs his heels in as well in the way that he uh, supposedly did in January. Uh, you mentioned in your voice note, Liam, about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I mean, that was not a particularly subtle farewell, was it? But you can understand why he wanted to to make it known that he was going and get the chance to say goodbye. Uh, what, what about other potential um, departures? I guess Mendy would be one that, that we'd be looking at. Mount, obviously, who cut a pretty crestfallen figure. Felix and Kovacic maybe too looking like they were saying goodbye. Yeah, I mean, we're into the body language analysis portion of the season. Hey, the, the people who did it with Phil and Holly got it spot on, so it's important to, to nail this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting that reference to come into this podcast. I mean, I was looking through the match squad afterwards, and aside from the seven signings that have been made in the last year, you'd say that, no one in that squad is is guaranteed or, or would be entirely confident of being at the club next season for a variety of reasons, either because they want to leave or their, their contractual situation is in a certain place or they just might have to leave. So I, th- I think it's, uh, it's a really tricky one. I think Azpilicueta was last to leave the pitch. I remember that because Lampard waited for him and he did seem like he might be saying goodbye you know, stopping to sign loads of all scruffs. That's kind of who he is anyway. But um, it did feel like he was he was kind of trying to savour the moment for what it was. And there was a, a lovely display 
as I mentioned in the voice note ahead of the game, fans group, we are the shed, uh, arranged a really nice TIFO for him. And the other one that I think everyone was looking at was Mason Mount, who looked very somber as he walked around the pitch uh, to the point where Ben Chilwell put his arm around him, probably his best mate in the squad, put his arm around him as they were walking back towards the tunnel. And then there was um, a colleague on the Chelsea beat, Nizar Kinsella, tweeted a video of Mount walking back onto the pitch about an hour after the game on his own with the body language of a guy who seemed to be contemplating the idea that this might be his last time in the stadium uh, as a Chelsea player. So there, I think there, there were a lot of these these things. In football generally, you don't often get to say goodbye on your own terms. That's just not the way football works. Very few players get to write their own scripts in that sense. Looking back to Chelsea history, it was an Abramovich tradition that especially a lot of the, the golden era legends would get into their 30s and get towards the end of their contracts in, in, in May and, and not know whether they were going to be there next season. It happened with Terry, happened with Lampard, Cole. I remember Drogba in 2012 as well, fans chanting to him, we want you to stay at the Open Top Bus Parade after the Champions League win. It just feels like we're, we're getting that now, but on a far larger scale <laughs> with a lot more players and maybe in some cases without the same level of affection for what they've achieved at the club. So some players might be going, Dom. Frank Lampard definitely is finishing. His, his interim spell didn't go as he would have hoped it, just the one win. He says it hasn't put him off management, but it might not be down to him from now, right? It might have put other people off hiring him. This this Not just this spell, but but his record at Everton this season as well. Yeah, look, it's it's been a very difficult season for Frank Lampard at two clubs. Uh, I'm a bit torn on this one because I think I think you can have a certain amount of sympathy for not the mess, but the sort of the state that, that he inherited Chelsea in this time round. Very difficult Champions League tie upon which their entire season basically hinged. A team that was ambling in very unfamiliar waters in the Premier League at that point and actually ultimately lacked the personality and drive to to revive themselves, to get them into a position of which they'd be more accustomed. Now, that is a difficult situation for an interim head coach who knows he's only there for a a certain number of games to find himself in. So there is sympathy there. But however, I I do think that he should have done better than than he did. I I, I mean, if you only have to listen to the way people are talking about this Chelsea squad now and saying that Pochettino won't have to do very much, next season to make them into something much better than they've been this year. And if that's the case, there is clearly, I mean, it's an imbalanced squad. Yes, we're lacking a striker to go and score you the goals at the, at the top end of the pitch. But but there's clearly a lot of quality in there. Why could he not, why could he not get them playing better than they did? They've ended the season with one win in 14 matches in all competitions. They finished below my mob. They could have been overtaken by West Ham on the on the last day. I mean, it's it's been appalling, and it's and it's just drifted with absolutely. I mean, the scenes at Bournemouth at the end. I know we had Simon in the away end that day, and it was like, oh my god, this is brilliant. This is a Chelsea have won a game. That's that's not right. That's Chelsea at Bournemouth. 
Chelsea at Bournemouth, and that was the only win that he enjoyed in this stint. There's something not right. He talks about standards. He keeps talking about standards. Well, he should take some responsibility for having imposed those standards at the training ground. He, he is that was his job to get the best out of these players, and he and he didn't get the best out of these players. And it's all very well sort of going on and saying, yeah, um, standards should have been better, and I've noticed things have dipped. Well. I'm sorry, but that, the job that you, that you took on was to try and revive this team and this club, and 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 it didn't work, and it's it's been an exceptionally bad season. I described it as a hospital pass of an opportunity when he was parachuted in a matter of days before the the first leg against Real Madrid, and I still think that was the case. So many mixed metaphors there, Liam. I'd sub that <laughs> copy down. Parachute. Hospital pass. Parachute into a hospital pass. You can be parachuted in to try and receive a hospital pass and then get taken out as you land. If the parachute doesn't open, you'll need to go to a... Okay, yeah, sure. Exactly. A lot more than A&E. I still feel that was a case. I don't don't necessarily think this was... um, an opportunity that anyone else would have relished, which is why ultimately they they went for Lampard because I I think there was, it, despite the insistence of, of an exhaustive coaching process, if there was a, a head coach that the ownership were really enthused about who was happy to come in immediately, uh, I think it would have happened, but no one was. And clearly, I think there is a physical issue with this group of players this season. Preseason was a mess. That started everything off on the wrong foot. I think the warning signs were already there under Tuchel. It continued under Potter. Neither of those coaches had their own fitness people. And it's something that Lampard has been talking about consistently with this group of players. But at the same time, I think Lampard has, has, has been talking in the last couple of weeks, particularly a bit like a bystander, when he has at least ostensibly been captaining the ship for the last six weeks. And, you know, I I think a certain amount of drift was inevitable after losing to Real Madrid because Chelsea were going to be the least motivated group of players in the league after that point, given how little that they could achieve that was left. But if you're talking about maintaining standards every day at Cobham, I think it's hard to argue that, that Lampard or anyone couldn't have done a better job than has been done given what we've seen. And I think it's also fair to point out that as much as there is a physical issue and a motivation issue with this group of players, they also haven't looked particularly well prepared tactically for these games. Uh, And that does reflect on Lampard and his staff. So, you know, I, I think it will have an impact on his job prospects moving forward because I think one of the main reasons he was brought in was because of his unique connection with Chelsea I think it was felt that that could be an advantage for him that he wouldn't necessarily have had at other clubs coming into other clubs mid-season. And, and it still ultimately counted for basically nothing in terms of what the team was able to achieve. So that's where we are. And I think it's just uh, it's just been a really, really limp end to the season. The fans at Stamford Bridge made it clear that it's not going to affect his legacy at the club. And it, it shouldn't, given how much he achieved as a player. Ultimately, there wasn't much on the line in these 11 games but it's it's certainly not done him any favours. 
Right, we'll keep an eye on uh, what his next move will be. Uh, there was another game since last we spoke. Chelsea were beaten 4-1 by Manchester United at Old Trafford last Thursday. It wasn't memorable for very much Chelsea-wise, but we wanted to reference it just so we could get in one final Simon Johnson voice note. Here it is. What a way to sign off. That's me done for this season to forget. Treated to an exhibition of ineptitude. One last time, both ends of the pitch. Couldn't hit a barn door until Joel Felix did something on his own. Couldn't defend for Toffee. The XG count was one for Liam. A tremendous lack of defensive altitude. I saw a bunch of stewards, the stewards again, uh, standing up in front of me here at Old Trafford. Uh, for some reason protecting like that. They're showing more of a defensive organisation than Chelsea showed throughout that 90 minutes. Some Chelsea players are applauding the few uh, Chelsea fans that have stayed to the bitter end. Chelsea fans that chanted we scored a goal and we're going to win 5-4 deep in injury time. And they're trying to Frank Lampard one last time. Certainly for uh, in terms of the away end being the last away game of the season. What can I say straight out of common listeners? You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to be on next week's show. I've had enough. I'm getting out of here. I'm going on holiday. I can't take watching this anymore. I'm going to come back fully refreshed, full of optimism, full of youthful vigour like Cesar Azpilicueta. It can only get better from next season. Let, let, let's, let's pretend 2022-23 didn't happen. The only thing I would say is that by the time you listen to this, have West Ham relegated Chelsea to bottom London club in the Premier League. That, that, that's the only statistic left for this mighty group of individuals to achieve from this shocker of a season. A personal best of failure anyway don't miss me too much <laughs> I think my rambling should now make its uh, way across the channel to France I don't think I'll be bothering watching Newcastle game one more humiliation to go alright we'll move on let's get to the formidable women's team next This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right, and it's an excellent ball in, and it's Kerr, of course it is, it's always Sam Kerr. Oh, it's a mistake, and Wrighton's in for two, through the legs of Maloney, to put one Chelsea hand on the WSL title. 
Long ball, Sam Kerr's through on goal. She's by the penalty spot. Hits it against the post, but finds the goal with the follow-up. Chelsea have a third, and it is Sam Kerr. She made it look easy. Chelsea are going to be WSL champions again. And that's it. It's all over. It's a contrast of emotions, elation and devastation. Share a pitch. It's a glorious four in a row for Chelsea. Yes, no time for the losers, we are the Relieved, um, happy, sad. I think they're probably the three main emotions. I'm relieved because I don't think people really realise how gruelling the season is. Uh, happy because we've got the best fans in the world and... That, seeing that wall behind uh, the team at the end and having the celebrations makes everything worthwhile and sad to lose Mags and P and Kelly Chambers is a friend of mine I've, I almost feel a little bit bad relegating them whilst winning so yeah, mixture of emotions It's emotional uh, but it also makes me happy to, to see how much they su support us both even though we're leaving I mean it's, yeah I'm so proud of this achievement I'm so proud of us winning the league for the fourth time in a row and the way we are doing it I think it's it's unbelievable how we uh, we always stay together as a team and everyone matters and everyone uh, plays their part and that's why we stand here and that's why we have stood here for four times in a row and yeah I feel happy sad like it's just it's everything combined we are the best in the world with Chelsea and our fans are amazing so thank you so they did it again. Chelsea, WSL winners for the fourth season in succession after they beat Reading in Berkshire on Saturday to claim the title. They finished two points clear of Manchester United. Uh, Liam, you and I are big Guro Wrighton fan. She ends the season with nine goals and 11 assists in the league and she got one of each here. It was a, a fitting way for her and Chelsea to finish. Yeah, I voted for her as the FWA Women's Footballer of the Year. Sam Kerr won it, I think partly because some of the voting panel don't watch that much WSL and, and just defaulted to she's the most high-profile player on the team that's going to win the league. But Sam Kerr's been been really good, but she's also scored about half the number of goals that she did last year. She finished fourth in the Golden Boot race in the WSL behind Bethany England, amongst others, who Chelsea sold in January. Yeah, and uh, and to counterbalance that, there, a lot of those were big goals and big moments that had a big impact on Chelsea's title chase. But I think most people who've, who've watched a lot of Chelsea, and I, I defer to their opinions on this because I don't watch them every week, have said that they believe Wrighton was the best player in that team this season, the most consistent. And she's just really fun to watch as well. I think she's a really interesting kind of winger. Uh, Michael Cox wrote a, a really good piece about this that's up on The Athletic right now. She doesn't really beat her opponent off the dribble too much, slightly unorthodox style for a winger but she's got such an incredible cross she's such a, a smart player in terms of the position she takes up and when she gets a shooting chance she just scores really high quality goals she's everything she does seems to be done with a real sort of technical crispness and she's a massive massive asset to Chelsea uh, I'm just interested to see now how how this team looks next season because you they've been given a bit of a facelift a couple of big names departing a couple of big names arriving and it's going to be a new challenge for for Emma Hayes to to try and refresh things. By the way, have we have we located Emma Hayes? Uh, <laughs> is she on? 
has she been found on a park bench with a bottle of gin in North London, as, as she said she would after the title celebrations? Well, she was on, I think it was Kadisha Buchanan's Instagram live from the club, as somebody younger than me would say. Uh, she was there with them, <laughs> dancing, singing along, looking into the camera, going, what's this then? Um, magnificent. Go right now, as Liam says, great to watch on the pitch, but off it as well. Totally giveable and some wonderful content from um, the players celebrating at Reading and, and away from Reading from Saturday as well. And um, Don, we've spoken a couple of times in the last few weeks and Liam's mentioned it there about Chelsea already having their transfer business pretty much done and all lined up and everything going really smoothly. If I can be a bit cheeky, that would suggest to me that maybe the owners haven't had that much involvement in the women's team <laughs> this season and they've just kind of left it to the people who are experts at it. And, and maybe there's a lesson for Chelsea Football Club as a whole in that. Yeah, quite possibly. Look, it's They have a sort of set routine, don't they, with the, with the women's team in terms of scouting the domestic market and with Emma Hayes almost casting her eye over the continental market and recruits, etc. And I guess that's where the men's team are hoping to go with their 13 directors of football and heads of recruitment and various scouts, etc., yeah, it's look. It's lessons can be learned. They they seem to be very efficient on the women's side. They they you know they they've they've earmarked. They know who's leaving. They've known for a while who's leaving, and they've gone out there and they've secured signings early so that they can hit preseason with the squad in the state that it wants to be in um, to attack the, the season and go for another um, WSL title and. And hopefully make progress in the Champions League as well, because I think that was the. Although they, they lost in the semi-finals, I think the performance at, at Camp Nou in the second leg probably gave Emma Hayes quite a lot of heart as to what they can achieve in that competition next year, and was probably going to be cited as progress on that front. And I don't think they'll go into any future meetings with the likes of Barcelona with any psychological scars from previous encounters that say that they will feel they can take them down. Uh, yeah, well done to the women's team then. Another brilliantly successful season for them. Good to see Magda Eriksson and Penilla Harder leaving on a high as well. Okay, next today we'll look back on our pre-season predictions. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Right, at the start of the season, we made a whole bunch of predictions. Uh, Now we'll look back on the ones that... I mean, lots of members of the pod have got away with it here because it's just us three who are going to reveal our answers. They're not actually that bad, though, chaps, I must say. So, Liam and Dom, you both had Raheem Sterling as Chelsea's top scorer, and I had Kai Havertz, and they both finished as Chelsea's top scorer with a whopping nine goals each. Uh, So we all won that one. That's good. Top scorer for the women's team, Dom said Sam Kerr. Matt said Sam Kerr. Liam said Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr it was. It's going pretty well so far, but this is where it goes off the rails a little bit. <laughs> Liam, do you remember who you thought Chelsea's top scorer at the World Cup would be? Well, I initially said Jorginho 
That's um, the answer and that then I've I remember that Italy weren't going to be there. I think Worse. I did change it though. I don't know Not if my amended pick document. was included. <laughs> I, I prefer to just leave it as that for posterity. Yeah. Uh, Don went with Mason Mount. I did as well. Uh, no, no luck there. Uh, FA Cup finish. Liam went semi-finals. Well, what, what was the answer? Who was Chelsea's top scorer at the World Cup? That's a that's a good question. It wasn't Mason Mount. Did Mason Mount score any goals? Might have been Ziyech, you know. Pulisic got one, didn't uh, he? Yeah. Ziyech only got, I think he only got one. It might have been Havertz. Oh, probably Kai he Havertz, did score yeah. a couple against Costa Rica. Yeah, least. it probably is Kai Havertz. Good shout. Yeah. Do you think get in, the, in the knockout stage, I don't think. I mean, it could have been Romelu Lukaku in the space of a half, but it didn't, <laughs> didn't It was about 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, Liam, you had Chelsea get into the semi-finals of both domestic cups. Dom thought runners-up in the FA Cup and quarters in the League Cup. You can't legislate for being drawn against Manchester City away yeah, at the first available round of both cups. That may well end up proving to be effectively like runners up because of the loss to the, the winners. But but actually, it doesn't work like that, does it? Never mind. No, it doesn't. I'm the closest because <laughs> I said third round defeat to a League Two side in uh, the FA Cup. So I got third round defeat right. That's a harsh assessment of City's reserve team. <laughs> Champions League quarterfinals said Liam and Don both I went round of 16 so he did pretty well there uh, Premier League finish fourth said Dom and Liam and what did I say I said fourth as well oh dear that would have been nice wouldn't did it? I not add from bottom <laughs> very good uh, we all had them winning the WSL which we were right about uh, I said quarterfinals in the Women's Champions League, as did Dom. Ooh, Liam said final, so none of us got that one spot on. Uh, who finishes where in the league? Tuchel, Conte, Mourinho, Ancelotti. Dom went for Ancelotti highest, then Conte, then Tuchel, then Mourinho. <laughs> so very, very wrong. Uh, <laughs> Liam said Tuchel fourth, Conte third, Mourinho fourth, Ancelotti second. Um, that's 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 the best of the bunch. Uh, I've got to say, I said Tuchel, Conte, Mourinho, Angelotti. I didn't anticipate that Tuchel would win the league, yeah. another league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just about, yeah, by the skin of his teeth he did. A wild Chelsea prediction. Liam said, Kukurea plays more centre-back minutes than Silva. Uh, that didn't happen. Don <laughs> said, what's wild at Chelsea? Clear Lake Capital Mount an aggressive takeover of the NHS as they bid to branch out into healthcare. Roman Abramovich attends a game at Stamford Bridge as a guest of the new ownership. The sporting director, still to be appointed, ends up resigning from the position he's yet to assume before the end of the current campaign. Tuchel departs in February with Ooh. the team ninth and is replaced on an interim basis by... Mourinho, recently oh. sacked by Roma. Uh, the LA Dodgers play a game at Stamford Bridge before the season is out, and Angelo Conte signs a new four-year contract. So you threw a, threw a lot of threw a lot of mud at the wall there, Dom. And, <laughs> and, uh, well, none of it stuck, did it? To be fair, they could have mounted a takeover of the NHS in November, given the number of injuries. <laughs> they might have needed a, a new hospital. Um, mine was Mason Mount wins best player at the World Cup, uh, and that didn't happen either. So there we go. Not particularly successful predictions, but that's part of the fun, right? Uh, at least we did well with the women's team. Just predict that they're going to win anything. Uh, so is that the end of prediction slash trivia? No, it's not. Because it's the end of the season, I've got a bonus mini quiz for you, I'm afraid. I have to be kidding. <laughs> There's only two questions each. Liam, you're going to go first. Prior to Sunday, huh, I wrote this before the game on Sunday, so even... 
ignore the prior to Sunday bit. What was the last home game that Chelsea won? The nature of this question makes it harder for me to default to Darren Barnard. Um, <laughs> the last home game Chelsea won, would that be uh, Bournemouth, the first game after the resumption? No, there was one just a bit later than that. It was Dortmund on the 7th. Oh, March. OK. See, I was going Premier League. Yeah. no. Could not beat comps. Leeds at some stage? What was that before? That was before Dortmund, wasn't it? Yeah, Dortmund was, was relatively late in the season by this Chelsea team standard. Sorry, Dom, I didn't offer you that, but you'd have got it wrong anyway, by the sounds of it, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Your question, Dom, so there's only two each. Chelsea's best run of the season came in October. How many games in a row in all competitions did they win? God, it feels as if it should be something like two, but um, five... Five is absolutely right. Can you believe that? This season, started with the win at Palace, they won five games in a row, and that game against Palace was the only one in which they conceded a goal. That was this season just gone. One at Palace, 3-0 against Milan, 3-0 against Wolves, 2-0 away to Milan, 2-0 away to Villa. Oh. Extraordinary. Uh, well done. You got that right. Here's your final question then, Liam. You need this. Whose only Premier League goal of the season came at Selhurst Park in October? Hang on, so... Why do you keep bringing up a game against a team? You know, you should be happy you've got six points off a team that's finished above you in the table. <laughs> Gallagher must have scored more than one. I'm just trying to remember who scored the first goal in that game. You remember, uh, Liam, come on. You remember. No, nice I weirdly... Because I wasn't at that game. I was no. away. And I, I weirdly remember the, the Palace goal more than the Chelsea goal. Simon just turned to me and said, oh, player X, he's he's not done anything. He's not he's barely even moving. And then uh, he scored within about 20 seconds. Lukaku was out on line. Um, <laughs> if Chicharito was the little P, this guy is the lazy P. Oh, we've got to be careful with all wow. this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to say a Bamiyang then? Yeah, that's it right. Was. Uh, okay. I don't. I really don't remember that goal. Long ball headed on by Thiago Silva, and he turned on the turn on the. That's right. Turn. Yeah, we thought it was going to be the answer, but it wasn't. Uh, Dom, this is it—the biggest moment of the season to win the final quiz. About which player was former Blues defender Frank LeBeuf talking when he said, "On the field, he is not a leader. He is quite clumsy." Quite clumsy. Um, Love that word, clumsy. Kulabali. Liam. I'm going to try and ignore the possibility that Dom has just guessed right, and this is entirely wasted thinking time. <laughs> um, <laughs> My initial thought was Sterling, so I'll say Sterling. No, it was Darren Barnard. No, it was Sterling, you're right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's it. <laughs> yeah, mean from Frank LaBeouf. All right, uh, I mean, it's sort of a draw, but then I didn't let Dom answer Liam's question. So let's just say that Dom won and uh, everybody lost, which is fitting for this season. Let's have a, a final reflection before we go then, Liam. Uh, this is worse than 2015-16, right? But we know what happened the next <laughs> season after that. How how are you feeling as this campaign ends and, and how are you feeling about you know, 75 days time from now when the Premier League starts again, are, are Chelsea going to be in a much better shape than they are now? Ultimately, I'm quite happy and relieved that I won't have to watch this team for a while. And I think a lot of fans are going to feel the same way. It's been a real slog for most of the second half of the season. And the difference, I think, from 2015-16 was by the time they got to the end... The trajectory had kind of stabilised under Hiddink and you knew Conte was coming in. And more importantly, they had a core of players intact that were in their primes who had won the league only a year earlier. And while I don't think many people would have predicted Chelsea would, would bounce straight back to being champions, there was every reason to think that they could be very, very competitive at the top of the league again with the right kind of push. Because of where this squad is, where there's just no... The identity that was there has gone. It's been shattered. And there's so much uncertainty about what the team will look like next year in terms of which which players are staying, which players are going. I think it's a lot more difficult to be innately optimistic. I mean, it would be very, very difficult for next season to be as bad as this one. It's been a perfect storm in in lots of ways, compounded by a lot of really bad decisions at all levels. So I I think Chelsea will be better, but how much better will be determined by what happens in the next few weeks. There are so many crucial decisions that the club and Mauricio Pochettino have to make about players' futures, about any, any new players they might sign, although I think that it's probably wise to keep that to a minimum and how successful they are at getting players out. So what I am actually looking forward to is I'm going on pre-season this year. Uh, We still don't know exactly when I'm going, but I will be in the US. Maybe we can do like a little mini pod or extended voice note or something, summer update. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, to getting an early glimpse at how Pochettino is working with this group of players because pre-season, I think this is the most important Chelsea pre-season in a long time, in a long time, because they they need to get themselves right physically, but Pochettino needs time to start building a winning identity in this team because he's he's basically building from scratch. There's, There's some very good raw materials, but he's building from scratch. What would constitute a successful season, Dom, next time around? Would you measure that by keeping the same coach throughout? the whole of the season would it be I don't know finishing in the top six maybe as a as a first year for Pochettino well not wanting to be a, a spoiler but Simon's piece tomorrow is a, a review of the season um, but also a prediction as to where next season goes and he he has gone with a with a top six place um, and I'll I'll bow to his better judgment on that I think I think that would represent progress given all the trauma of this year but but you're right I think I think it is is about longevity still about trying to get a coach to stick about long enough to actually make a proper 
indelible Im- impact or impression upon this club, upon this squad, to impose a style that we all recognise and that seems to be pushing the team in the right direction. Um, a culture. I mean, look, these are all horrific modern day football cliches, but that's what you need to succeed. And, and you know, the more successful clubs in this division have done that. Um, I think when you bring Pochettino in, you know what you're getting. You are getting a certain amount of pedigree. Yes, he hasn't won trophies in this country, but he's he will he should galvanise this group if they back him and they allow him to to work with the players he wants to work with and to you know trim those around the outside and they're like, going back to the early conversation there'll be some very difficult decisions to be made on that front um but if you if they buy into what he wants and they don't interfere and they don't impose decisions upon him or 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 unrealistic expectations upon him then he and Chelsea have a chance and it could be quite an exciting chance as well it could be an exciting summer i mean it's, it's you know it's never easy saying goodbye to players and there will be some that leave that will be that will go with a certain regret and you know we saw a bit of emotion from Mason Mount on the pitch at post match on 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 sunday but Difficult decisions lie ahead, but it, it can be quite an exciting, fresh new start for Chelsea if they let it. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, well, it's going to be an exciting, fresh new start for us come the start of the new season as well, because we will be back with you. More information on that uh, will be fed throughout the summer. This is Chelsea as well, so you know we're going to have to do the odd emergency pod, I'm sure, when something mental happens, because that's the way it goes. But stick with us. We will be back. Uh, Liam, we've sort of briefly touched on, on your piece from the Newcastle game. Tell us a bit more about that. Tell us what your plans are for the next few weeks, if any. Yeah, so the, the piece currently up on The Athletic is about Chelsea's day of goodbyes. Uh, both definite and possible and also with a little bit of the, towards the end about whether Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs might regret opening the Champions League door for Newcastle given the money they have behind them and the platform that they have now to to really continue building. Looking ahead, we're, we're just waiting for Pochettino to be announced and then there will be, uh, I think, a lot of stuff happening off the back of that. And then just kind of working towards towards pre-season now. There may be a cup time for a couple of bigger picture things. Um I'll be I'll be taking a look at the under twenty World Cup, I think, at some point as well. And some of the Chelsea Chelsea and Chelsea adjacent players that are that are playing there, including hopefully soon Carney Tripwameka, uh, now that he's finally being allowed to go. Uh so there will be lots going on in the ne- in the next couple of weeks, and I'm sure if quick progress is made on on sales that will be something that we're focusing on as well yeah the athletic will be the best place to keep across all the chelsea stuff over the summer if you're not yet a subscriber head to the athletic.com slash chelsea pod to sign up that's the best way that you can support this podcast the more people that do that the more uh, power we have when we go to the bosses and say hey Let's keep doing these podcasts. So that is the best way you can sign up from our point of view. But thank you so much for joining us throughout the season. We know it's been a really horrible one for Chelsea. So I hope we've brought you some light relief and um, just a little bit of sympathy. And and you know that you're not going through this alone. But trust me, next season will be a lot better. Uh, Many thanks then to Dom, to Liam, to Lucy and to Simon and to Jesse and to Sam and to everybody else who's joined us throughout the season on the pod. All great contributors who we appreciate 
appreciate very much. We'll be back with you at some point during the summer, probably, as I say, but definitely for the start of next season. So stick with us and the only way is up. Bye for now. The Athletic.